In Parshat Shalach Lecha, Moses sends 12 scouts into the land of Israel. Moses instructs them, see if the land is good or bad, fertile or lean. They are also instructed to find out whether the people are strong or weak and few or numerous, as well as whether the cities are opened or fortified. They return with a daunting report, to say the least. Though the land the scouts saw was rich and vibrant, it was also filled with people. And not just any people, but strong people living in heavily fortified cities. The scouts reported to Moses, the country that we traversed and scouted is one that devours its settlers. All the people that we saw in it are men of great size, and we looked like grasshoppers to ourselves, and so we must have looked to them. According to the scouts, the Israelites would not be able to enter this land. Of course, this is not what the Israelites were hoping for, and the scouts' report is sure to have sent them into a panic. But we have yet to hear from all of the scouts. Two of the scouts, Joshua and Caleb, spoke up. Caleb, confident that the Israelites can conquer the land, is the first to speak up. Joshua, too, speaks out, reminding the Israelites that if God is pleased with them, God will surely bring the people into the land safely. All they need to do in order to settle the land is to obey God. The people, however, the Israelites, are afraid and do not trust Caleb and Joshua, threatening to stone them. Amidst their threats, God appears, angry about the Israelites' lack of faith and punishes them. Other than Caleb and Joshua, none of the group will be allowed to enter Israel. Rather, they will die in the wilderness. Furthermore, their children will have to wander the desert for 40 years, waiting for these deaths to come before they can enter Israel. In their exodus from Egypt and long march to Israel, we see the Israelites doubt God many times. What is so egregious about their distrust here that they are cursed to die, never to enter the land? What is the Torah trying to teach us in this critical moment? The Israelites did not believe in the power and might of God in this crucial moment, and they were punished for it, certainly, but perhaps there was more to their sin as well. The Kotzker Rebbe, a Hasidic Rebbe, believes that there is a second sin committed by the Israelites. He focuses on the part of the scouts' report that reads, All the people that we saw in it are men of great size, and we looked like grasshoppers to ourselves, and so we must have looked to them. The Israelites are consumed by the thought of how the people in Canaan might have perceived them. Outraged, the Kotzker Rebbe imagines God asking the Israelites, What's with this? Why, what do you care how you appear to the eyes of others? In the words of the Kotzker Rebbe, who cares what they think? Perhaps it is a particular sin that the Israelites allow the imagined perception of others to sway them from their path, from their God-given goal. As Rabbi Stephen Kushner writes, their sin wasn't simply that the scouts misrepresented what they had seen or that the Israelites had lost faith. We actually see in another comment on the same verse that the Kotzker Rebbe is clear that the scouts had actually spoken the truth in their report. Their failure wasn't even that they had low self-esteem for that, or that they saw themselves as grasshoppers. For this, they could be forgiven. Rather, it was their preoccupation with how others saw them that was their sin. 
Rashi comments on this verse, stating that the scouts heard the strong, gigantic people say one to another, there are ants in the vineyard that look like human beings. How often do we see ourselves through the eyes of others? We wonder what they think. We base what we do on their actions and beliefs. We do not stay true to ourselves. And as we see in this Parsha, sometimes we let other people decide our own beliefs as if anyone's opinion is more valuable to us than our own, as if what others think of us is more important to us than what we think of ourselves. When we know ourselves and when we have confidence in what we know, it shouldn't matter what other people think, especially when it comes to our own spiritual authenticity. To be ourselves and to be true to ourselves is a way of representing the idea that we were made in the image of God and that we are surrounded by a loving God. If we can turn to ourselves and see love and kindness, compassion and courage, imagine how different our lives would be. Imagine how different this Parsha would be. Rabbi Sharon Cohen Anisfeld said that we who have a tendency to see ourselves as grasshoppers at times, need to be continually reminded to expand our vision and remember that we stand in every moment before a loving God. In those moments when self-doubt clouds or constricts our vision, we are asked to lift our eyes, to try to peer through the cracks in the walls we have built and open ourselves to the possibility that we may be like angels instead of grasshoppers in the eyes of God. In a text frequently attributed to the Kotzker Rebbe, I love the Kotzker Rebbe if you can't tell, this perspective of a soulful integrity is more clearly spelled out. If I am I because I am I, and you are you because you are you, then I am I and you are you. But if I am I because you are you, and you are you because I am I, then I am not I and you are not you. If we take time to reflect, time to take a moment or a minute of self-reflection and patience and to be true to ourselves, we have the power to change the world and to change our future. Imagine how different the Torah would be if they did not view themselves through the eyes of others. Imagine if they took a moment to take a deep breath, a moment of savlanut or patience, and saw themselves for who they really are instead of turning back to the visceral fear that these ex-slaves must have felt. Imagine for a moment if they had prayed to God instead of turning to fear. Imagine if there was a spontaneous outpouring of the heart and that they took the time to, ref to self-reflect through prayer. But I'm not saying that we need to be completely independent because the reality is that we live interdependent lives and that we do value ourselves based on the world around us. Each of us is a composite of everyone we have ever known, whether we know that we are made of these people or not. I see the real struggle today to be how to figure out how to be spiritually and personally authentic while living in this interdependent world. Now, I don't have answers or easy solutions to this struggle. I wish I did, but I do have a suggestion. I want to suggest that we begin to notice and take stock of when we are doing this, to have a moment of mindfulness and to see that we are not being authentic to who we are and to turn back into ourselves, to practice teshuva and to return back to who we are. Now, this takes practice and time 
But the more we do it, the more we can be spiritually and personally authentic. Thank you and Shabbat Shalom.